0: Isn't it good to just sense God and just know? I mean, we, we, if we're not careful, we always want to make him tangible. Um, the Word of God says we live by faith, not by sight. You don't live by feelings. But I, I promise you, even if you're watching this morning, you can sense and feel God's presence. Amen. Um, I think it's vital, especially in a culture where we've been isolated over this past year. Uh, I want to apologize for something. I know I keep saying, aren't you tired about hearing about the pandemic? And then I just keep talking about the pandemic. Okay, so now we all know that we're sorry about hearing about the pandemic, but I am going to keep talking about the pandemic, only from the standpoint of if we've not learned anything from it, shame on us. Okay? If we've not learned anything from it. So I'm going to refer back to it a lot throughout this last year or it will be a whole year of your life, and you learn nothing. You just sort of survived. You hunkered down. Well, the reality is uh, we serve a powerful God, and I don't want to miss opportunities not only to give him praise. Our lives should be doing that anyway. But we're getting ready to celebrate a week, and I know we've already had announcements, but I've, gotta, I've just got to share this one more time because we're doing something a little bit different as we lead into Easter this week. Um, not a lot of programs as we typically have had in the past because we're still walking through some um, limitations, but things are getting lifted. We're able to gather differently, maybe not at your favorite restaurant yet, but we're able to gather. We are having the cafe open and got a a very much larger television screen in there, so it's going to be really cool. I would appreciate it if you could... Uh, Sit in the sanctuary. It's not so much an overflow as much as it is another venue that we're streaming to But it's so cool in there. I want to be in there on Sunday (laughs) So we may put them. I don't know. I don't never mind. So Here's uh, what we're encouraging you to do make plans to be here Um, Here's something else differently. We're doing this week instead of having a good Friday service here We're having a Good Friday service, but we want you to stream and be with us from home. Now, why why are you trying to confuse us, Pastor? Well, if you think about it, the first Passover, God told Moses to tell the people to get with their families. Take a lamb, get with the families, and spread the, the blood of the lamb with hyssop on the doorpost. Now, there's symbolism and all of that. But here's why I think we're going to have a good Friday, this good Friday. We're celebrating the death and certainly Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, we do this in hindsight. We, it's happened. But, but I believe it's going to be vital that with family and friends, if, if you live by yourself, don't, don't do this by yourself. Come to my house. I mean, get, get together with family and friends. Get some bread. Get some grape juice. Okay? If you insist on your orthodoxy and you want real wine, just a little. <laughs> okay, we're not trying to prove any points here. <clears throat> but, but get that bread, that juice, and prepare Friday night, 7 o'clock. I'm going to come to you right from here, and we're going to have communion. Very intimate time of remembering that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Um, and Why? Because I know for a lot of people, getting it back in person is a challenge. It still is a challenge. So rather than trying to get everybody here on Friday night, and then get everybody here on Sunday morning, I want us to do communion together via streaming, and it have special meaning being at our homes. And then I want us to come together in person on Easter Sunday. Now why is that important? I'm not going to preach this morning about congregational worship but it's vital that we do worship together. The church is the church universal. Okay, so you're the church when you leave this building today. This building is the place that we meet. We are the church, but it's vital that we come together on a regular basis. Amen? It's vital that we sense this presence that we're sensing this morning. It's vital that we hear from each other and are challenged by each other how to live, how to walk this out. Somebody say amen. So I also believe Easter Sunday is a powerful day to start renewing that again because we've been out of sync for a year. I promise I'm going to preach in just a minute. We've been out of sync for a year. Now many of you who are here this morning, <laughs> you're there, and you've been, you've been so faithful, you just couldn't wait for services to start again. Our poor praise team, Man, can we just give the Lord praise for our praising? team? <clears throat> um, they've been here through thick and thin, recording, good, bad, ugly. I mean, they've been here. Uh, they were here when we started in the middle of the summer, and, and we started doing in-services again, and there were just like 10 people sitting out here. And I know in their minds they were thinking, why are we here,
1: Lord?
0: Why are we here? where are the people, <laughs> why are we here? I, don't, I can't imagine they haven't thought that, but you know what? We know that God's been using every step to reach people, because even though they may not have been here initially, they were there. I, I just want to encourage you, however you've been serving, to make sure you understand that it's not about getting people to attend. It's about coming together to worship so we can send. We worship the Lord together, and we have the grace groups that we have, not just for cool fellowship. Iron sharpens iron. It's important that we come together corporately and even as grace groups just to continually to hear the word of God. How does that work in my life? Ouch. I don't like what I just heard. That's okay. See you next Sunday. See you at grace group. Why? Because we're going to let the Lord just keep working on you. Amen? Does that make sense? So this has been a long commercial, For make sure you stream in next, make sure you join us next Friday night, and also make sure you're here Easter. If you're not in town, please be here. I know a lot of you are traveling. We're trying to contact as many people as possible. There's going to be plenty of room, plenty of love, and plenty of resurrection power. Amen. Turn to John chapter 12. Pastor Nick opened, and I'm so glad he did with this passage. You know we've been in John, we're going to stay in John. I almost want to go back to John chapter one when John introduces Jesus as the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And I just want to—I just want to. I'm tempted to start there and just stay in that first chapter again, because if we really embrace who Jesus is, it'll make you bolder than a lion. When you understand who He is and who he is presented as, and who we look back at, because John wraps up his whole book by saying, the reason I've written these things is you'll see that all these signs and all the things that Jesus did prove that he was who he said he was, so we could look back and see it. It's proof. He is the Word. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. So, We get to where we've been the last few weeks, and last week we started on what is known as the I am statements, I am the bread of life. Now, we're pausing today for a little bit something differently, and then of course next week we don't celebrate Easter because it just happened, we're reminding everyone we serve our risen Savior. But we're going to continue, as a matter of fact we're going to continue, and we're going to go ahead and name this series, Intersections, Intersections think about that for a second. When you're driving down the road and you pull up to that red light, I hope some of you stop at red lights. I've seen some of you drive. It's, it's challenging. Yellow lights don't mean go faster, by the way. But when you pull up to that red light, have you ever sat at intersections and just looked around at all the people around you? Without getting mad? I mean, you're just, you're sitting there And and maybe you're just waiting for your turn in the turn lane or the turn lanes have changed and you're trying to go across. I mean, we all can have our own stories. There's lots of stuff that happens at the intersections of life. You know, even today when you're going home, you get caught at an intersection, just realize that person in that car next to you, those people all around you in the myriad of cars packed with kids or just a person by themselves, I'm telling you folks, they've they've got their lives too. They've got struggles. They've got powerful issues going on in their life. And I want to do this series. Uh, Dr. Bucci and several of us have talked about it, and Pastor Nick and I have been sort of brainstorming about it, because when you look at Jesus and the I am statements and everybody that Jesus and their lives intersected, their lives were changed. I wonder as we look at that if we would start to believe that when my life intersects with someone, I'm going to expect that same power from Jesus Christ to plant a seed in their life. I don't care if it's at work. I don't care if it's at home. I don't care where it is. I want people to experience Jesus Christ when I come to an intersection with them. Hello? So we're going to look at what happens when Jesus crossed paths with people and let that be inspiration, motivation, motivation. Illumination and whatever other Asian you can come up with to understand it could happen with you. Amen. Amen. Plan to be a part of that. So today as we're looking at this passage, we know that Jesus is preparing to enter in triumphal entry. And I'm just going to read it one more time here, just this first little part. <clears throat> John chapter 12, verses 12 through 15. It says the next day. Let me just stop there for a second. The next day. Well, if there's a next day, what was the day before? What was so important about that? If you read a few passages back, certainly a few chapters back, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And we'll talk about that again in a few weeks. But this monumental miracle where Jesus proclaims, I am the resurrection, he raises Lazarus from the dead. The crowds see this. They're all amazed, but the chief priests and the religious leaders are like, this is not good. Uh, For a quick translation, God's moving, and we don't like it. So the Bible says, and just quickly getting to this passage, as you proceed and as Jesus is meeting, he now comes to the house of Mary and Martha because Lazarus is alive. And again, the crowds are all coming in. Because they know Lazarus was dead, now they want to see Lazarus alive. Can you imagine those questions? What was it like? What was it like when you were dead? What was it? You know, we don't know those whole stories. What we do know is they were just as inquisitive as we are. The crowds were there. And now the people, the Pharisees, the uh, the temple priests, the religious leaders, they're thinking and they begin to plot on how to kill Jesus. We've got to get rid of this guy. He's gaining a following. Now, by the time they get to the end of that chapter, they're already thinking, we've got to kill Lazarus, too. So there, there's a lot of thinking on the religious side. We don't like God, what God is doing so much. We don't believe in what God is doing so. We're not talking about the world yet. This is religion. We don't like what God is doing so much, we've got to get rid of this and who he helped. So the Bible says, the next day, and okay, now just picture your week just for a second. If that was the kind of life you were living, tough life that people want to kill you, people want to destroy you, then there's the next day. Now, there's a whole message right there, but listen, one more time. Age to age, he stands. Time, your life, your circumstances, they're in his hands. He's a sovereign God. Listen, how how difficult would it be? I'm preaching to myself right now. When the bottom falls out, Lord, I don't know what you're up to. I know you didn't cause it, but I'm giving you praise in spite of it. Because I know that you'll... Work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose because I know there's a plan that you have for us. There's something in here, Lord, that you're doing. Amen? I I, I find in this passage when he says the next day, that's that's just a breath of hope for somebody here because there's always a next day. The, The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Um. (coughs) Excuse me. This, This is very important because this passage right here, this small little passage, And I'm going to be going to Psalms 18 and Psalms 107 in just a moment. Read a lot of scripture this morning. Because it fulfills two prophecies that I think are vital for us to grasp hold of again this morning. Again, in hindsight, we already know that he's the king. But now, here's what's going on in this passage. Israel is looking for a king. Let's phrase that in a few different ways. Israel is looking for a Redeemer. Israel is looking for the answer. Israel is looking for peace. See, they know what it is to feel bondage. They know what it is to feel pain. They they know what it is to live under oppression. Even in their own systems of oppression, having to live by the law, being oppressed, hoping that this coming Messiah would come and set up his kingdom, and overthrow Rome, overthrow their issues, overthrow all the stuff that they're having to work through and go through, can I just encourage you this morning, the king has come. He's come. Now why is that important? Because when the children of Israel, here right now for the very first time, Israel is proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. They have not until then. But now very publicly they are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he is the king. Not happened up until then. Now why is that important? First of all, excuse me, what does the word Hosanna mean? Um, I think for many of us in the New Testament church, it has now become praise, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But here was what the original context or the original wording and the way it's used, especially with palm branches. Hosanna means save now. We need victory and you're the one. Because palm branches are very royal. So, when they were cutting down palm branches, it was not something they needed to praise God with. It meant royalty. They were honoring him as king, they were honoring him as the coming king who, in their minds, would take over Rome. Listen, nobody in that crowd was thinking, Is this the Trinity? I mean, theologically, does this work for me? No, all they were thinking is, He's the answer. He's going to deliver us from Rome. He's going to make us prosper. He's going to give us a good life. We're not going to be in oppression. He's king. Let's go with this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It fit the prophecies. Let's go with it. They put down the palm branches because it represents royalty. Hosanna means save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So the first point I want to make this morning is simply this. He he saves now, but still now. He saves now, Hosanna, but I, I want you to hear this this morning. He still saves now. Now, what do I mean by this? Turn to, turn to uh, Psalms 118, because this is, comes right out of Psalms 118. Psalms 118 says this. <clears throat> this gets deep. You ready? Save now. Save now. I'm just kidding, it doesn't get it doesn't get deep. It's right there. Save now, I pray, O Lord, oh Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what they were quoting for from. That's what they were proclaiming. So, what do they mean by save now? Well, when we look at our circumstances sometimes, we already know how we want the Lord to save us. Somebody say amen. <laughs> When I look at my life circumstances, I already think I know what God needs to do. So I get very comfortable saying, Lord, here's how you need to save me. I've got a blueprint, Lord. So please don't miss any of the points. Lord, here, here are my, Lord. you know my comfort level. And, and Lord, you understand the pain level that I can't take. So here's what I'd appreciate you doing. If you really save me, Lord, I know really if you really save me, you'll change them and just let me enjoy the benefit. This is good. See, what they were saying in that text and what they were saying as Jesus entered the city, they they were saying, save us. But they were wanting to be saved the way they wanted to be saved. Set up a kingdom but overthrow Rome. Set up a kingdom, but make us prosperous. Set up a kingdom, but make me in charge. <clears throat> Jesus comes, and we'll hit on this in a moment, he doesn't come on a white horse, he comes on a colt. Because the things you need to be saved from are really different than what you think. So let's talk about COVID. COVID. Last year about this time, <clears throat> I was uh, a few weeks earlier about this time into February, I was getting off a of plane, having been in Israel, and I mean, we had a phenomenal, I mean, God just blessed that trip, had a powerful trip, went with people that I never believed I would ever be able to fellowship with, and, and ended up spending uh, about 10 days listening to phenomenal leaders from Israel From the medical field, to the journalism, to tours around the temple, to tours around the, under the city. I mean, it was just powerful visit, Mount of Olives, you name it, and it was just like a God moment everywhere you go. You literally walked where Jesus walked. You sensed God's presence. It was a powerful experience, only to land and within two weeks be told no church. Churches were shutting down. As a matter of fact, it, it was my pure ignorance to the level of what was taking place that we went a week extra. I was so naive to people shutting down, I was like, you, gotta, you can't be serious. You can't shut, shut down churches. So we shut down. And We started recording. Now, I tried not to ever, ever let this be seen, but secretly I was saying, Lord, save now. Save now, Lord. Come on. What are you going to do now, Lord? Lord, you've got to, we need to meet on Sundays because we're the church. They, they, you're not going to allow people to shut down. I come against this disease. It, save now. Because we all want him to save the way we want him to save. I was praying for him to wipe out a virus, and he was trying to use it. Now I'm going to mess some people up. Please, this is, please understand, I know people sitting here this morning who've lost loved ones to this virus. But that's why you've got to embrace, as painful as it is, age to age, he stands. He is the resurrection and the life. If you, if you are to die today, I'm, I'm preaching rather boldly here when I say this, but if I die today, none of us want to. Because we really, we believe in everlasting life, but we can't get our minds around it. We get bored sitting here in one hour. We don't even know how to think about eternity. Eternity makes us nervous. We just, you know, we're hoping we're the last ones there because we don't know what to do with it. But if I go tomorrow, my Redeemer lives. And if my Redeemer lives, He's promised I will live also. So when I talk about this this morning, it's not just a lighthearted I know there's been loss, there's been pain, there's been suffering, there's been tears. Some of you, when this thing started, your, your work really never changed. You still had to get up and go to work every day. You still had to somehow function. And, and then you were expected to function, but nothing else was. Moms were still expected to have to go to work, but nowhere to put the kids because daycares closed down. Everybody, besides those who had to go to work, immediately became unemployed. So nobody is sitting at home going, well, we don't know what this is, but you know, it'll blow over pretty quick. No. Everybody, in their own way, is saying, save now. But I also learned very quickly that God, in His own way, is trying to always get us to trust Him now. There's a difference between saving what you think needs to be saved and God saving what needs to be saved. I heard this used uh, several years ago but because you have to understand these same people saying blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna. Were, they were the same ones who a few days later said crucify him. Because we also have Don't get too excited. We also have the same capacity to say, save now. And when it doesn't happen the way I want it to happen, then I'll do it on my own. We're the same way. So I wonder what it would look like if instead of us waving palm branches, we understand that really, you know, if when we want Jesus to do what we want in our life, we want him to be king with palm branches but he knew he had to be the king on a cross. We want a king on a horse. And the next time he comes, he will be. We wanted a king on a horse, but he knew it had to be a king on a cross. And I just need you to understand that that even now, see, let's just circle full year. Some of us have already forgotten what we were feeling like last April and May because we were so desperate, <clears throat> we were so disheveled, we didn't know what life looked like from day to day, much like being able to plan things. And I'm not saying that a lot of that hasn't changed for some of you. What I am saying is we're way we're much further ahead than we were last year. Some of you have had your shots. Some of you are waiting on your shots. Some of you don't care about shots. Some of us just need to be shot. <laughs> But here's, here's the reality. Even if, even if someone were to say, I know exactly where I'm going this summer. I know exactly what I'm doing this summer. No, you don't. Because we're still living in a world that's trying to corner us into circumstances where we know what we're facing. We think we do. And Lord, here's how we need you to save us. Now, really, I'm not talking about salvation this morning. We know what it is accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and believe me if you haven't I want to pray with you today before you leave but I'm talking about us as brothers and sisters in Christ how do we walk this out how do we pray God save us am I making sense because that that was the first prophetic and just listen to how we live this out occasionally I I know I feel like I'm getting long winded with this already listen what Psalms 107 says Now, this is a a psalm of redemption, and I'm going to read a lot of this, but the first several verses, and this is not on the PowerPoint, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. A psalm of praise, meaning if you've been redeemed, say so. Don't keep it hidden. You're a light. Put it on a hill. Don't don't worry about if you're offending people. It's a whole other sermon for another day. But there's nowhere in the Bible that says you may not offend somebody. The gospel, you let the word, don't you offend anybody. You just live this, it'll offend everybody. You just live this. You don't use this to try to offend anybody. But I promise you, when you live this, you're going to offend everybody. So he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, what has this got to do with us crying out, save us? Psalms 107, verses 4 through 8. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And He delivered them out of their distress. He led them forth by the right way, that they may go to a city for a dwelling place. All oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Now just... Remember that last, that last verse there. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He's saying let it be a lifestyle, not a service, not a moment, but let it be a lifestyle. Psalms 107, 11 through 15. Because they rebelled against the Word of God, hello, they despised the counsel of the Most High, Therefore he brought down their hearts with labor. They fell down, and there were none to help them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and he broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verses 18, their souls abhorred the the manna of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. Then verses 26, they mount up to the heavens. They go down against the depths. Their souls melt because of trouble. They reel to and fro, stagger like drunken men, and they are at their wit's end. And what he means there is, is they've lost all wisdom, they've lost all common sense. Here's what he's saying. He's saying it all throughout chapter 107. The children of Israel would constantly find themselves in a place where they turn their back on God again. They would not heed to His word, they would not heed to His command, they would not live according to this, And you named the reason, and they lived it. We didn't want to offend anybody, so we just watered it down a little bit so everybody would be comfortable with it. Hello? You know, I got news for you. If nobody's living for it, don't worry. Nobody's going to be offended. But there's other ways. They they turn their back on God's Word. They turn His back on their commands. Or they found themselves going through troubles. And I I like this because it says their souls melted because of trouble. Stress, pandemic, finances, family issues. They reel to and fro, staggered like drunk men. We don't know what we're going to do. We're at our wits' end. Listen, and we use that terminology sometimes. I'm at my wits' end. I don't know how you define it, but here's what it literally means. You've lost all your wisdom. There's no common sense. You'll start saying that things are okay that you would have never said are okay. You'll even start believing that a man can decide he's a woman. You, you can lose so much common sense that you can hear people say, I'm going to let my six-year-old decide what they want to be. So schools, don't you dare call him or she until they decide what they want to be. That's, there's a lot of words that, that can be used for that, but the Bible says they have lost their minds. They're at their wits' end. They've lost all wisdom. Now, if, now, now listen, before we get too crazy, crazy is a word that says crazy about praising when we don't know what we're talking about yet. So don't get too crazy yet, because we do the same thing. It's easy to look at our lives and say, Lord, those children of Israel, they were nuts. I hope we never turn out like them, God. We did. But Now here's here's the beautiful part, because God, you know what they did? Every time they cried out, you know what God did? He delivered them. They they didn't cry out, Lord, we're in trouble, so help us make a few more payments. We're going to stay in trouble, but we just need to keep paying for it. He, and I could go down a whole lot of alleys and somebody say, praise the Lord, please don't. But here, here's what I do know, that every time they said, save us from the heart of God, I'm laying myself waste. I have nowhere else to turn to. It's amazing how when you ask God to save you for the right reasons, he shows up. That's why even when I gave my life to the Lord, the Lord just loves to... Draw you in, but if you stubbornly decide, I I don't need the Lord, okay. I'll see you in a little while, because you'll be calling. I've not met any atheist on a battlefield. I've not met any atheist when they're getting ready to step into eternity. You see, everybody believes in something. And when you come to your wit's end and you realize there is something I need to be delivered from, it's amazing that God, that's when he says, okay, you're ready. Am I making sense? So he says, save us. We have a king who came to save us. Even when we think we need to be saved from certain things and it's not what you think it is, he has come to save us from ourselves. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he died our death, so we could live with him forever. And it's not just about waiting for eternity, it's living here. Now, how do we do that, Pastor? The second prophecy that was fulfilled. Let me move quickly. He simply says this <clears throat> in the passage um, to fear not. John chapter 12 it says, Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Fear not. Prophetic, coming right from Zephaniah. And he tells us here, Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9, we can be frozen by fear, and he tells us to fear not. I mean, think about what fear does to you for a minute. Think about how fear causes you to be frozen in your tracks. And whether it's I'm not sure about the circumstances or I don't know how I'll be treated or I already know how I'll be treated, but I'm just not going to do that anymore because I'm afraid of what will happen. And and again, please, I'm not trying to make things cloudy when I say this. It's really not about us doing what we want to do. It's following after his word. And when you're walking according to his word, you're going to find yourself in circumstances that are not comfortable. But when you have to make the decisions that are not comfortable, he is saying, fear not. Don't worry about what's going to happen to you when you're living according to the word. Don't worry what's going to happen to you when you're living according to the word. Now, the reason I love this is that is the greatest command, the most used command throughout the word of God. Fear not and have no fear. It's used over 365 times in the Word of God. You know why I believe that for our 21st century church? Because we need to be reminded every day, don't fear. So it's in there 365 times. Every day you can wake up and be reminded, whatever you're doing for me today, Whatever I've called you to, whatever you're having to endure, whatever you're having to live through, fear not. I have not given you the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Don't get up in the mornings and be like, oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do. That's not what God's called us to be. Now, I'll be the first to admit there's tough days. Somebody say amen. I'll be the first to admit that husbands and wives don't always get along with each other. Somebody say amen. (laughs) <laughs> amen or oh all me alright all, all of me yeah, no, no. It's just, it's just good where I am right, right now um, and, and those of you who are not married yet just wait listen marriage is wonderful marriage is wonderful it's working through life issues that's tough and sometimes you're married to somebody Who doesn't want to work through life issues? We've got people sitting here right now who have tragically gone through divorce. So this is no condemnation on them. You're you're here. God loves you. God cares about you. God's going to continue to use you. But I'm telling you right now, it's work. So don't fear. Keep working. Don't fear. Keep walking. But, but pastor, you don't know the pain. I may not know the pain of your specific situation, but he does. Yeah. Have no fear. But can I tell you where my heart is more than just our personal issues on this? When God's telling you to have no fear, you know, 25, 30, 50 years ago, even, even longer, maybe 60 years ago, when a lot of the stuff got started, And and believe me, our culture needs to be healed of a lot of things. But in trying to fix some things, when you take the word of God out of the picture, a lot of other things get incorporated. And I'm telling you, we're living in a culture that doesn't want to put up with Christ. They want to shut us up. It's in that culture that he's saying, fear not. You're living in a culture... And I'm not trying to breed fear, because he's not giving us a spirit of fear. I'm trying to get you as bold as a lion, but not to go out and attack, but to go out and live. You're living in a culture that with this um, equality act that they're trying to pass, um, some think, well, there's probably nothing to it. They just, they just want everybody to be equal. No, they actually they don't. So why 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 are you even bringing this up, Pastor? Because you are now living in a culture that maybe 25, 50 years ago you could call yourself a Christian and everybody sort of knew what that meant. You could invite people to church and they went, like, sure, okay, that's that's great. Everybody went home and had apple pie and played football in the yard and everything seemed a bit normal. Now we know the world's not perfect in all those terms, but what has it turned into? Um, it, you may have read this, but just three days ago, four days ago, Old Roberts University, their basketball team, made it to the Sweet 16. Okay. Now it's a Christian university, which, by the way, um, we have a Christian university right here. And you know who goes to Christian universities? People. Sinners. Saved by Grace. That's who goes to Christian universities, all right? But now, here's the thing. They make it to the Sweet 16. First of all, it was sort of a miracle that they made it to the Sweet 16, because the 15th seed has only done that once before. And so they were playing, and an article came out from the LGTB, um, uh, yes, Q Society, that they really are disgusted with the fact that they even are allowed to play in it. They should not be allowed to even play in it because of their belief system. They don't believe like we believe. Therefore, cancel culture. Cancel their ability to have a voice. Cancel their ability to play. Cancel their ability to do anything. Now listen very carefully. If you think I'm playing, you're going to have a a very rude awakening. Because as things move forward, you better understand what fear not means. Because they're wanting to shut you up. They can't wait to tell preachers you can't say that anymore. Because they're demanding, this will be demanding that we, even in a belief system, will have to say, I can't say what I want to believe, but I have to believe what you say. I have to embrace that what you say is okay. And see, you might as well put a bullet in me right now. No, nah, I know that. Oh, he's just talking. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. Pardon the pun. Because here's the reality. I don't know if it's, see, we, we've lived in a, a free culture so long, we think, oh, that's never going to happen. Listen, I need to remind you of something. People are getting killed for Christ every day in this world. There are countries all over, all over the world that when people are realized as Christians, they lose their lives. Whole families. Churches. And, and how would we pray? Save us. Save us. Meaning, don't let that happen to us. Um, guess what? You water it down enough, God will let you live it down enough to where that by the time it's all washing in on you and you realize this can't be happening, Lord save us, um, he will, but it's not going to be the way you think. I, I hope I'm not insulting anyone because you already know I don't care. And it's not about I don't care about you, I do care about you. And Honestly, if I didn't care about you, I wouldn't even talk about it. It'd be too easy Just to say, let's love people where they are. Well, of course we need to love people where they are. But you better make a stand where you are. I I, I don't, and and listen, we've all felt this pressure. I, I just, you know, we've got to go to the same party, and I don't want to be offensive. So what do we do? We act like they want us to act while we're at the party. You know, believe me. And I'm not, I'm not proud of this. It just happens when you get put or allow yourself to get put in these situations. Um, I'm not a very good politician. I mean, I, and we need to pray for our leaders. But the, the, the reason we're in the mess that we're in, you can look at through biblical history and see that the same thing happens time and time. And even in the church, guys. You just keep watering things down to make people happy, to get the vote, to do what you need to do, to just get things passed. Next thing you know, you wake up one day and so much has been passed and all the wisdom has gone out the window years ago. But nobody cares because they're getting that little nugget they want. Boy, am I, I hope I'm making sense. But I was asked, I was asked to um, pray at a wedding. I said, absolutely, it was a family. And this young man and this young woman, he was from a Christian family, and she was from a Jewish family. And quite honestly, and I say this lovingly, neither of them cared. It were the parents. The parents wanted a Christian prayer. But when you pray this Christian prayer, can you not use Jesus? Jesus. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um. So I went and did a lot of research on how do you do that. And what I found is you can't do anything Christian without Christ. And, and listen, this is family. I love my family. But as we gather there, and I just want you to know, I'm, I'm just telling you this is what we're going to face I literally, in my mind, was saying, you know what? I want to respect my family. If I had this opportunity to offer a platform that that they can at least experience God and us coming together and experience an incredible coming together under God, I'm going to try to honor that. And I stepped up in the ceremony, and me just came out. And I don't mean loud. Loud. I prayed for them, I blessed them, and then I said, in the name of Jesus Christ. I didn't do it arrogantly. It wasn't like, I'm going to show them. No. It wasn't, there was nothing about, I'm going to put them in their place, I'm going to show them, and and even later, and please, if they ever happen to see this recording, I love you. This is no, no offense, it's the word of God that will offend us. Because later on at a gathering with family, I talked to the father and another great member of the family came up and we were talking and he, the one is Jewish. And the one friend of the father said, man, you know, so-and-so is really upset that you, you know, threw Jesus in there because he's Jewish and they were like, why can't we all get along? And I just told him, I said, listen, you can't expect anything to have Christian influence. If you leave Jesus out, man. And then the Jewish friend, family member, said, listen, if that guy got bent out of shape about that, then he doesn't understand the stand you have to make. I was more impressed with the Jewish guy than I was with the Christian guy. Because at least the Jewish guy was willing to say, hey, make a stand. You know, I don't believe in him, but make a stand. The Christian guy, I love you, buddy. Christian guy saying, well, we don't want to offend anyone. We want everybody to be happy. You know, hell is going to be full of people who are not happy. They think, let's make everybody happy, but it's just not going to be happy. And I I am not saying, and have I started uh, wandering off path here? It's um here here's all I'm saying about fear not and I'll move on quickly. It's not about trying to offend someone. This is not about going to the mall and finding somebody and trying to corner them and nope, we're here we were told to preach Jesus Christ. Now you stand there and take it. No. It's not about trying to offend someone. It's when life comes at you and please hear me, it's coming. For some of you, a bad day was a flat tire. You've not had a bad day yet. It's coming. It may come through family. It may come through your work. It may come through where, uh, where you hang out. It may come through your friends who have embraced all kind of lifestyles. But if you water yours down so much, you'll just be like Lot. And when Gomorrah starts going down... You'll try to all of a sudden have influence and have none. Because you've lived so watered down, nobody trusts what you say to begin with. And you'll start saying, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. When did this happen? You've not lived like this before. Now, that doesn't mean don't start now. That means start now. That means understand. When Jesus says, fear not. He's trying to tell us, why do you think he prays in John 17? God, keep them. If the world hated me, oh, God, the world's going to hate them. It's going to be painful. They're going to suffer. They, they don't even realize the pain they're going to experience for me and for my sake. So, God, please keep them. So he says, fear not. Am I making sense? Last one very quickly, and I'm closing. Oh, boy. And this is the good one, by the way. Um, Save now. He still saves. Fear not. And Jesus never comes like you think he is. Think about that for a second. When they were wanting a king, they would have never looked in the stable. When they were proclaiming a king, He was on a colt. You see, certainly in that culture, kings would ride on the highest handspan of a horse they could find. And if they could, it would be white or black. It would stand out. It would be the tallest, and it would be the horse in charge. And then even his generals and his others that would serve with him, it's almost like they would find horses to match the level of authority. And the Bible tells us, you know, we always just throw it out as Jesus was riding on a donkey. No, Jesus goes a step further and rides on the colt of a donkey. All this was done because Jesus wasn't trying to prove I'm here coming on a white horse to set up your kingdom. I'm humbly coming in ways you cannot expect to set up his kingdom. Now, why is this important? I just want you to think about it for a second. Think about this pandemic. Think about this last year that you've been through. Think about what you've endured. Now, let me ask a little question here. What have you learned? What have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about your faith? You know, when we started out in this pandemic, and I've shared this before, it was... It's just my natural thinking sometimes. And by the way, during this pandemic, I think I've just stopped thinking. Because there was a point where I thought, okay, I've got a plan. Let's do a series on this. We'll do a series on this. We'll walk people through this, and we'll walk people through that, and we'll get them to be a part of this, and and we'll see transformation. And what I've discovered is you can have a lot of programs and no transformation. And I'm not going to speak for everyone, but for me, in the, in the beginnings of the, the, the pandemic, I was saying, okay, I want to get a good series together because I want people to be able to, over the next eight weeks or 12 weeks, here's what I look like. Here's the before pictures, but here are the after pictures. Look what God has done, right? Well, that sounds great until I realized that when people are in survival mode, they can't think 12, 12 weeks ahead. I certainly couldn't. And when I was praying, God, give me a series, give me a series. Lord, I need, Lord, what? That was it, I need. And here's what the Lord said. No, I want you to listen to me every day. And I was like, Lord, but I I think I do. No, no. Actually, John, you only get really serious about what I say about Friday. Because you know Sunday's coming. You get real serious about the time you have to do something for me. And then you're like, God, give me a word. Give me a word. He says, no, no serious. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to listen to me every day. Now, I know that sounds spiritual too. But when you start listening to God every day, you realize how messed up you are. You realize what a wreck you are. Pastor, is this supposed to motivate us? Or? Here's here's what I hope it does for you. A year later, in this pandemic that we're still trying to walk out of, as we celebrate Easter next week, God is still saying, you've been through what many will call hell, the worst year of their lives, the worst year of this century. Many people have lost loved ones. Many people have lost their jobs. Many people have lost so much, and you fail to continue to realize, I'm still on the throne. And that when you still call out to me, save now. I hear you, I will answer you. I want you to live with no fear. Because I'm still working in ways that you cannot imagine. And when we think the answer is coming in on a white horse, Jesus might be using a pandemic. When we think the answer is coming in on... On this particular issue or this particular issue, it just could be that God is using leadership or politics or whatever you're going through to get your attention so you begin to say, save us for the reasons we need to be saved. Let's all stand. And, and, and praise team, just stay where you are. I'm not even gonna, we're just going to close. I've taken too long. But I want to pray. If You'll just close your eyes. If you're here this morning, and this is not for affirmation, but if anything I've been talking about has resonated, just raise your hands. There's got to be, there's got to be something in my life. You can put your hands down. There's got to be something in my life. It, it might be something that you've been praying, God, I need this, God, I need this, but suddenly the Holy Spirit is saying, that's not why I came. You want us, but not for why we think. Maybe we're here this morning and we've been living in so much fear, fear of our circumstances, fear of the future, fear of, of what we're going to do, fear of what it's going to look like. And God, God is saying, I want you to understand. And, and listen, I'm, I'm speaking this to somebody. No man knows the day nor the hour. Jesus Christ in his return could happen tonight. And he's saying, fear not. Don't have any fear about next week or next month. Plan like you're going to be here for 100 more years, but expect to leave tonight. Why? Because Jesus is still moving and working and showing up in our lives in ways that we constantly miss. Do not expect, but we need to start having faith that he's at work. It might be in our families. It might be in our places of business. It may be certainly in our culture, the education system. What's going on in the politics? What's going on in people's lives? But can I tell you where he wants to start this morning? Right there, right in your heart. Let's pray. Father, if somehow we were able to put ourselves in the shoes of those people on that morning, I know we would have been doing the same thing. God, I pray that as we look back over 2,000 years now, we realize why you came, for who you came. And Lord, we, we even know now even more that you work in ways we cannot understand. You move in ways that we cannot comprehend. We, we try to put you in a box, and God, all along, you're working in people all around us. And sometimes we even catch ourselves saying, I don't like that. I don't like that way. But God, we just repent right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that, that we just humble ourselves before you. That as we leave this place today, Father, let your word penetrate hearts. (laughs) Save us from ourselves. Save us for your glory. Lord, let your Holy Spirit cleanse us powerfully. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit do a work in us. Lord, let us without fear live out your word. Lord, we don't have to preach or say a word. If we just live it, your word may offend people but they'll never be able to point at us. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ that we fear no one but you. And Lord, I pray that you continue to work. Lord, work in ways we don't understand. Father, as we faithfully walk after you, Lord, even this coming year, Lord, as we continue in this process, Lord, from Easter through the rest of this year, we're we're planning very simply, Lord, But it's not to have a lot of programs, it's to have effect. It's to have an impact. And whether it's feeding the hungry or ministering to those outside the church, Lord, I pray that we see lives changed by the name of Jesus Christ and your power. Lord, in those that are wrestling, those that are fearful, those whose hearts are away, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you continue to draw them in, that your Holy Spirit would do a work in us. Now, we ask this. In the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God, amen. 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 God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Sure, sure.
1: And so the Lord, (laughs) so the Lord told me. He said, "Just like I fed Elijah in the cave with ravens, I will feed you." So I was like, you know, I wasn't arrogant, but I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't know what he was talking about. So little did I know that for almost five months I would not get a paycheck. Not five months, no money. Obviously, I didn't starve. I had plenty of food, I had everything I needed, and every month I'm counting on this money to come. There was a a glitch in in the thing, and the money didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come. So the money was building up, building up. So every month I'm thinking, whoo, I'm gonna get a big paycheck, okay? So the day that the paycheck came, someone called me and said, oh, will you pray for me? I just need money. I'm, oh, everybody don't know what to do. The Lord said, give them that paycheck. So I'm right where I was. But I didn't fear the whole time. I did not fear because I knew God took care of me. And I'm just saying this to tell you, don't fear. God's got you.
0: Praise the Lord. I ate a minute at the wrong time. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Listen, walk this out. Amen. Thank you so much. Walk this out. When God speaks to you this week or you face something this week, don't have fear. Trust God's word and just take that step. You start becoming the stories. You start becoming the stories of how God's using you in his story. Amen. Amen. You you are dismissed. Praise the Lord.